So we've all been on the road trip, right, where we were on our way, doing our thing, and suddenly we were in need of a bathroom rather quickly. Those of us parents in the room, we can always blame it on our kids. It's a beautiful thing when you have to go really bad, and you're like, you got to go, son, right? And it's like, no, I guess you do. Okay, so here we go. And that's a beautiful, awesome, wonderful thing. Our offering's going to be coming around. I forgot to say that, apparently. So that'll be coming around there. And so um, it's always wonderful as you are continuing on your trip, and, and you just can't find a spot, you know? Like, you can't find a place. There's nowhere nearby. There's nowhere good to stop. And it always seems like finally then you see a possible place that you can stop and use the facilities. And you get in there, and the whole goal is to get in and out as quickly as possible, right? You want it to be as painless as possible. You don't want to buy anything. You don't want to see anybody. You just want to get in. And so you kind of walk in. You are like walking back past, you know, different aisles trying to hide behind the Pop-Tarts and the Oreo cookies so nobody will see you and make you try to buy something. And you get to the bathroom and you have made it and you raise your hands in victory and then you see the sign on the door that says, please get the key from the attendant behind the desk, right? And you go and get the key and what is the key always attached to? Like a huge wooden stick. Like why? Like who came up with this, right? This past week I had this whole scenario and I went to an establishment. I won't tell you the name of it, but it rhymes with Runkin' Ronuts. And I went inside and I went to get this, the key attached to the stick and it wasn't attached to a stick. It was attached to this huge metal piece. And I'm like, am I going to be fighting a wildebeest on the way to the bathroom? Why do I need this, you know? But it's so frustrating because you just want to get in and get out. You want it to be so easy. You want to be like Bilbo stealing the ring from Gollum and you're invisible. But now you've got to go to the desk to get the precious from the gas station attendant. You know what I mean? It's so incredibly frustrating. And I was thinking about life. Life is a lot like that experience, right? You just want life to be easy. You want there to be zero to minimal conflict. And you kind of just want to do your thing and be left alone sometimes, right? Just get through life, do your thing with your people, with your friend group, with your family, and let it be blessed and good and easy. If there's anything I learned this past year, it is that life is not easy. Life is really, really difficult sometimes. In fact, this past year, I found myself many times saying, man, nothing is easy. I'll give you a little bit of a snapshot of my last week. And I, here's what I, I just want to throw this out there, because after the 930 I felt like, you know, I had the world's biggest pity party, people coming around me. I'm so sorry for the week you had. And, like, this one guy literally walked out. This older guy walked out after. He comes up to me, just gives me a bear hug. I need to just give you a hug after the week you had, you know. So I'm not saying this because I want sympathy. I'm saying this because I want you to know that I understand what it's like when things go wrong and we have difficult times in our lives and things don't go as planned, okay? So earlier in the week, we have Landon, my youngest, outside playing with his brother and sister. And suddenly we hear screaming and they all come running in eventually, and what had happened was Landon was trying to get something out of the car, and we had the sliding you know, door minivan thing on the side, and his hand got caught between the door and the other part of the car. And it was so bad that he couldn't even pull it out. Bryn had to open the door for him and slide the thing back out. So that was one thing, and then we're off to City MD trying to make sure nothing's broken, all that. A few days later, we're on our way. Kelly and I are driving. We're thinking we have the day to ourselves. It was Monday. I had the day off, and I'm just thinking, oh, I just need downtime. The two of us just hang out. And we get a call from the, from the school. And my, my daughter, Bryn, was sitting on a stool like this, except it was metal. And she stood up, and it fell forward on the back of her leg. And it smashed kind of like where the Achilles meets the rest of the foot there. And she either bruised it and or tore some stuff. So she's walking around with, like, a cast, soft cast thingy on it right now. We're going to find out tomorrow what's going on with that a little bit more. Wednesday, I'm going to skip for now and tell you that one later. So just hang on, all right? Then Friday, we're driving from Kelly's doctor's appointment to her mom's house, and we get rear-ended 
as we're driving. The person in front of us slammed on their brakes. We slammed on our brakes. People behind us, not so much. And so we got rear-ended. Then Friday night comes, and we've been here and setting off, and everything's good. And it's the end of youth group, and I come to pick up the kids. All I got to do is run back and drop something off. I walk back up that hallway, and a ladder falls on top of me. It is a miracle I am here, people. I'm just telling you. This was a week and a half, and you haven't even heard the craziest thing that happened to me yet, okay? And so sometimes life is really, really difficult. Sometimes life's really, really hard. I can tell you without question, the most difficult and painful year of my life was 2017. And Kelly and I were kind of laughing about this. At the end of 2016, right about this time last year, people were saying, oh, you know, in the, in like the Christian community, we feel that the Lord is saying that 2017 is the year of breakthrough. I'm like, no, I think it's the year of break you. You know, like, this was not the year of breakthrough. This is what breakthrough looks like. I'm good, Lord. I don't need any breakthrough in my life, Okay. And man, sometimes life is hard. And sometimes when life gets really hard, you begin to say, God, where are you? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? You feel really, really far. Feels at the very least you're not listening or possibly you could be against me right now. And we begin to focus on those disappointments in our lives, don't we? Sometimes the uncertainty of our building situation and the craziness of all that we went through in this past year was just nuts. My wife's health was so crazy. Uh, one day I was driving her to an appointment that we had been to dozens and dozens of times. I knew the way there. I did not need directions. I did not need GPS telling me where to go. And as I'm driving there, I literally was missing exits. I was making the wrong turns. I was going the wrong places. And Kelly looked over at me. She was like, you are seriously scaring me right now. I said, honey, I am just so fried. I can't even think straight. Just from the craziness of life. Sometimes... Life's really, really hard. Sometimes in those times, God feels really, really far. Maybe you can relate to that. Our staff went to Bobby's Burger Palace because we love heavenly food, and we were sitting there on Wednesday, and we were just talking, and somehow we got into a conversation with the guy next to us who we found out was a Christian, and he began to share a little bit with us, and he made this statement. He said, 2017 was the worst year of my life. I said, amen, brother, and we did a French fry high five. I was like, I feel you, bro. I totally feel you. And some of you are there right now. You would look at this and you'd say, man, this is the worst year of my life. Or at least it's up there, man. It's fighting for worst year of my life. And some of you guys are like, no, it's okay year. Or maybe even a really good year. But you know what's weird about this time of year? Is that sometimes we just get sad right here, right now, don't we? I hate that, man. Sometimes we just get sad around this time of year. Sometimes we know why. Sometimes it's because this is going to be the first Christmas without a loved one that we've lost. It'll be the first Christmas since a relationship fell apart. Maybe we're gauging kind of our lives. It's like, man, I thought by the end of 2017 I would be in the relationship or I would have had, you know, I would have been pregnant by now or I would have had the job lined up and worked out or whatever it might be. And there's that disappointment maybe towards the end of the year. I don't know. But some of us, we can't even explain why. We just feel sad. And sometimes life is just really difficult. Sometimes around this time of the year, Life is just really difficult. Now, some of you guys are just like, you're like, man, I, I, I'm good today, though. Like, Doug, I hear what you're saying. I'm not even sad because of the time of year that it is. But maybe some of us in the room, we've just sort of forgotten all that God has done for us, you know? Like, even if we're in a good place, it's like we just haven't focused that much recently on all that God has done for us. And some of you guys in the room are like, man, I, I, just feel, I feel good. I feel close to Jesus. I don't feel like I've forgotten anything. I just hope then today that your hearts will be filled more and more with gratitude for what God has done. Because here's what I want to do. Even though life's hard, even though this is a really rough year, even though we have our ups and downs and we go through our stuff, man, today I want us to focus on all that God has done for us. 
I want us to look at that and get that really front and center. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here. We're so glad you're in the room. And maybe this is why you're not a follower of Jesus, because life's hard, because life's difficult, because sometimes you expect certain things to go a certain way, and then they don't. And it's like, God, where are you in the midst of all this? Why aren't you doing a better job of sort of managing my life? And maybe you gave up on God, or maybe you were once close to God, and since you've walked away, because it just feels like, why still the difficulty? Why still the pain if God is walking with me? And so today, I don't know where you're at, but all of us in the room, I hope we will focus on all that God has done for us, and I hope we'll walk out of here encouraged. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a guy named David. And I think that he is really the perfect person to look at when we're talking about this kind of thing because, first off, David was just so real. Like, David was a real guy. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you're reading about different people, and you're like, man, I can't relate to them because they just seem like a super Christian. You know what I mean? You ever feel like that when you're reading your Bible? Like, like I, that's just not me. I don't know how they do what they do, but I can't do that, you know? But David was such a real guy. Like, if David was in the room today, we could hang out with David because David had ups and downs. David had high highs and low lows. David had good days and bad days. David suffered. David lost. David went through times of saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? How long is this going to go on, Right? And yet, even though David went through difficult things and painful things, both as as a person and as a king, he also was able to keep such an amazing perspective through his pain. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at something that he shares that's so incredibly powerful. I think it really kind of turns things around for us. Because I think when we're going through life and it's so painful and so difficult, often all we think about is what God hasn't done for us. You know what I mean? It's like we get stuck on the the one thing or the several things God hasn't done, and in that time, we are really kind of trapped. Like some of us in the room are like, God, I'm not going to take a step closer to you until you make this right. We're trapped there, right? We're stuck in a spot thinking, if you don't come through, God, if you don't do what I want, Lord, if you don't do what I've been asking and praying, maybe we're done. And so sometimes we are finding ourselves in a pretty dangerous place. And as David is going to help us understand today, man, there's hope, always. There's something to be thankful for, always. There's something to be grateful for. There's something good God has done and is doing, always. And so I love that we can learn from David because he's real and because he at the same time is able to keep his perspective on the goodness of God. So we're going to look at Psalm 124 today. And David really starts right out with this brilliant phrase. And this is a phrase I hope will stick with you and I for the rest of our lives, okay? And the phrase is this, verse one. If the Lord had not been on our side. What's David gonna do here? He's gonna say, okay, yes, I get it. Sometimes life doesn't go like we want it. Sometimes God disappoints us. Sometimes we wonder where God is. Sometimes God feels far, like he's not even paying attention at all. But how about this? Let's focus instead on what if the Lord hadn't been on our side, where would we be? Like, okay, I understand we wish God would have done this and that, but instead of thinking about that, let's think about where we'd be if he weren't for us, if he wasn't Emmanuel, God, with us. Where would we be then? You see, that's a powerful, powerful chain of thought. Because some of us, all we can focus on right now is what God didn't do. He didn't heal. He didn't protect. He didn't speak when I needed him to speak. He didn't provide whatever it might be. But David said, no, 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 no. 
Let's think about where we'd be if the Lord weren't on our side. He's going to get very specific as we go forward and share some things. He's kind of imagining here. He's kind of dreaming here and saying, man, imagine my life if God weren't on my side. Then he says the next part, let Israel say. Now, why does he say this here? Now, let's remember, a psalm is a song, right? So David is writing this song, and he's calling Israel to repeat after him. He's saying, hey, say this with me or sing this along with me. Don't just hear it, speak it. I want you to out loud, David is saying, say with me, if the Lord had not been on our side, this is where we would be. And so let's go on a little bit. And David starts to talk about some specifics. In verse 2, he says, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. Wow. David says, you know what? the Lord hadn't been on our side, we literally would have been wiped off the map. See, David was a king, right? And Israel had been tons and tons and tons of battles. I want to show you guys a map here today. I'm going to be a little bit map happy today. It's going to be all right, though. Hang in there, right? You see that yellow sliver in the center of the screen, not the yellow off to the side. This is more of a modern-day map of Israel. That tiny little yellow sliver in the center of the screen is the nation of Israel. And all around, they were attacked by those much larger nations. And so here is David saying, we don't belong on the map anymore because look how small we are compared to everybody else who tried to take us out and yet we're still here. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been overwhelmed and destroyed by these attacks. I love that train of thought. I love that David, instead of thinking about the negatives, is thinking about, man, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't even be here. Now, This is sort of a little bit off topic, but I really feel like I'm supposed to say it. I tried to erase it from my notes. I felt like, no, I think I'm supposed to say this. One of the reasons God chose the nation of Israel is because they were so small and so insignificant. Like if God had chosen one of those other huge nations bordering them, it kind of would have been like, well, they're a huge nation. They have a huge army. It kind of makes sense. But no, God chose Israel because they were small and weak. And insignificant. And somebody here in this room, I'm telling you today, I just feel like God wants to encourage you. Because you feel small and weak and insignificant, and you can't understand why God would bother with you. But God chose Israel so his power could be seen for what it is in the weakness. And God will choose you and I sometimes because of our weakness, not our strength. Because of our struggling, not all these great victories and overcomings that we might have. So back to our regularly scheduled programming here. But I love that David celebrates this aspect of what God has done for Israel to protect them in these attacks. I have a couple stories to share with you I'm not really proud of. When I was in sixth grade, I was in the locker room at my school. A kid came over. He gathered a bunch of us together said, hey, check this out. And he had a, a pornographic magazine in his hands. And that was the first time I'd seen something like that. And over the next several years of my life, I was kind of on a hunt after that experience for that kind of stuff. And in about my mid-teens, I felt like God just really kind of convicted my heart and grabbed a hold of me in such a way that said, knock this off. This is not going to take you where you want to go. This is not what I have for you. And right about mid-teens, I'm telling you, this wasn't my doing. I didn't just decide one day. God did something in my life that kind of broke that attack off of me. Unfortunately, it wasn't just about that, though. As I got a little bit older, I got myself into different kinds of impurity with girls. And I didn't have sex before marriage because I knew my dad would absolutely kill me. (laughs) But I also knew that 
I'd seen the brokenness of what that kind of led to. I'd seen the emptiness of that. And, and, and yet, I did enough that I was almost trying to do everything I could without having sex, you know? And it was like probably 19-ish that God grabbed a hold of my heart again. Knock this off, dog. This is, this is going to lead to brokenness. In fact, I had already experienced the lie. And like the Bible says, sin is fun for a season, but then it catches up with you, right? And I had already started to experience the guilt and the weight, and, it, and my sin at that time had started to destroy relationships around me. And I'm telling you this story not because I think I'm great, because I'm telling you right now, I didn't, I didn't change myself. God changed me. He rescued me out of both those things. And the reason I tell you that today is because if the Lord had not been on my side, pornography and sexual impurity would have ruined my life. I don't know that I'd be doing what I'm doing. I don't know that I would have married who I married. I'm telling you, God rescued me. What is it for you? If the Lord had not been on your side, where would you be today? What would be true of you that maybe isn't true of you now because he is on your side? Next part. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept us away. The raging waters would have swept us away. So David is not talking about an actual flood here. He's talking about the fact that when these nations would come after them, there were so many of them, it was like a flood. It was like a flood that would sweep a nation right off its feet. And so here is David saying, hey, we've been through so many battles. We've been through so many different things. Man, if the Lord hadn't been on our side, we never would have been able to stand. I have another map for you. I told you I'm map happy today. So here, let's check out this map. Now, you see where all the arrows are pointing out from the nation of Israel to the surrounding nations? David fought and won a battle in every single one of those directions. Man, that's like some serious battling. You ever feel like you're fighting a battle on every single side? You ever feel like no matter where you go and no matter what you look at, which side you turn to, it just feels like more and more there's another battle, a new thing, another problem that's shown up. And yet here's David saying, if the Lord had been on our side, any one of those battles, any one of those fights could have taken us out. Any one of those nations should have destroyed us. But the Lord was on our side. Now, here's the interesting thing. Somebody could say, I could almost hear the nation of Israel saying back to David, David, we hear what you're saying, man, but why, if God is with us, why, if the Lord is on our side, did he even allow these battles to happen in the first place? And I can almost hear David saying back, no, 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 don't go there. Focus on what the Lord has done. Focus that he's on our side. I mean, I'll give you my best shot at why he allows the battles to still happen. I think for starters, the battles make us stronger. I think we could all say that, right? If I asked you to raise your hand, if a battle in your life, if something difficult you've gone through has made you stronger, helped you, eventually taught you something, every single one of us would raise our hand. So the battle makes us stronger. I think it also helps us rely more on the grace of God. I think it also enables us to look back and say, wow, I went through that battle, but God got me through it, right? So I don't have every answer to every battle that we've gone through, but I know that God uses them for our good. But let's focus today on the fact that the Lord is on our side. So really think about it for a second. What battles have you been through that you can look back and say, wow, had the Lord not been on my side, I'd be addicted. I'd be depressed. I'd be an angry, unforgiving mess. Where would you be? But the Lord is on our side. Verse 6, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Think about that. How many times has the Lord kept you from being torn apart? I'll tell you the answer right now. You don't know the answer to that. Because God has protected you from being torn apart a thousand more times, a million more times than you even know, right? I'll give you an example of a time 
that I was almost torn apart, literally, this past Wednesday, actually. I told you I'd tell you this story. So we're at the church, the old building, trying to get everything cleaned out for closing, and uh, we gave a ton of stuff away that we could, and then we still had some stuff we had to get rid of. And so we had a dumpster, which I like to call the world's largest dumpster. It's this enormous dumpster, and we're filling this thing up, filling this thing up, and we're throwing all kinds of broken glass in there and all kinds of you know, construction materials, and there's wood and screws sticking out of all kinds of beams and all stuff we had to throw away. And the end of the day, we had saved wisely. Remember the sign we used to have out by the road, that huge mama sign that goes like 20 feet into the ground with those huge wooden legs? And so we saved it because we didn't want to deal with it. And at the end of the day, we're exhausted. And I said, guys, we got to fit the sign. And the dumpster's almost full, and we're shot. So we go out, and we pick up the sign. And it was the staff, and Pete Smith was there helping us out. And Pete made the dumbest comment you can make in a situation like this. We picked up the sign. He went, oh, this isn't that bad. I was like, Pete, now it's going to be bad. You said it. You just ruined it now, right? He goes, no, I thought this was going to be like the battle of the day. I said, Pete, now it's going to become the battle of the day, man. Thanks so much. And I was right. So we get to the dumpster. We climb up into the dumpster. And I decide I need to climb up a ton of this trash to get as high as I can because this thing is so long. I've got to make sure we get it all the way in so we can close the dumpster door, right? So I'm on top of the pile. And at the same time, all four of us holding the sign, like lost our grip, and I fell. And everything went slow-mo. So I'm falling backwards into the dumpster, and I look, and all I can see, because the sign is above me about to squish me, all I can see is Andrew standing outside the dumpster going, oh, no. (laughs) I hit whatever I landed on. It was actually the the kitchen from the nursery. It was like that big mama kitchen the kids would play with in the nursery, which protected me in the first place from being torn apart, because I would have fallen deeper and probably landed on either broken glass or, you know, uh, nails and, and screws all sticking out of wood. So that's the, but then I'm waiting for the sign to land on top of me, and so is everybody else, right? It stops about this far above me, and there was an angelic hand. No, I'm kidding. It, it was an empty cardboard box on its side that was strong enough to keep this thing from not ending my life and making Andrew the last thing I see. I love him to death, but I don't want that to be the last thing that I see. Hopefully it's my wife's face. That's my prayer right there. One time, I could tell you that I wasn't torn apart, but I'm convinced, and I have no biblical proof for this, that when we get to heaven, God's going to call us name by name, and we're going to go into a room. It's going to be like a big theater, a little bit like this, bigger, I imagine, though, right? One seat right there. Dead center, 1,000-inch screen. He's going to hand us to Dr. Pepper because it's the nectar of heaven. And he's going to say, watch this. And he's going to show us. And we're going to be sitting there for hours and hours of times that we don't even know he protected us from being torn apart. Torn apart physically. Torn apart, torn apart emotionally. Torn apart spiritually. Torn apart whatever it might be. I don't know what it is for you. But I'm telling you, man, it's going to be like mind-blowing wait, that was supposed to happen to me, and this would have happened, and if you hadn't been on my side, wow. Imagine where you'd be. What would have torn you apart? Greed, jealousy, pride, doubt, hate. What would have torn you apart if the Lord hadn't been on your side? Verse 7, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. I love that. We were in a trap, and God broke the trap and set us free. Now, the biggest thing that that reference is, is Jesus coming and breaking the trap of our sin and our shame and our guilt and setting us free from all that, right? But here's David talking about in his day, all the traps God has set him free. 
from. What about you? Think about the times. You know, it's like we're that bird and we find our way into the trap and we don't even realize it at first. And then as we're in the trap, we're like, oh my gosh, this is not going to go well. And then God comes and rescues us in one way or another. When Kelly was 19 years old, my wife, when she was 19, she was driving home from school and her car broke down on the side of the road. And in like 19, you know, I mean, this is, this is a while ago. You just, everything felt different. It felt like a safer world. This is pre-cell phone, so you couldn't just get on your phone. She had to figure out a way to get in touch with her dad. And so she's on the side of the road and this old man stops and says, oh, are you okay? And she says, oh, well, my car broke down. And he says, oh, well, I could help you. There's a gas station up the street. If you want to get in, I'll drive you up to the gas station. So she gets in, and as she's in the car, she's starting to feel a little bit nervous. And this man drives into the gas station, and as he's still moving the car, says, oh, you know what? My daughter lives right up the street. Let me take you there, and you can use her phone. And she realizes in that moment, I'm a bird in a trap right now. This is not necessarily going to go well. And so as the car is literally still rolling, she opens the door and jumps out and is able to call her dad. But you can imagine how many different endings that story could have had, right? And for some of us, that's happened many times in our lives. We've been in the car headed somewhere that would have been a nightmare, and God broke the trap. And sometimes the car's still rolling, so to speak. It's like this close. Now, some of us in the room might say, but Doug, I have been through hard stuff, though. Like, there are times I feel like I was in the car headed somewhere bad, and I went that place bad. I get it. I did, too. But God somehow uses those things and redeems them in our lives. But, but I'm telling you, there's a billion times he saved us and broken that trap that we aren't even aware of. I love then the last verse that David brings up here, verse 8. He's talked a lot about what would happen if the Lord weren't on our side. Then he says this, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's like David's going, I don't know where your help is, but my help it's, it's in the Lord, who, by the way, no big deal or anything, he's just the maker of heaven and earth. He's just the one who created all this, which, by the way, I think when we think about creation and all that God has done, it just centers us. It, it puts everything back in perspective. So can we talk for a second about all that God has done in creation? Like, and he is our hope and he is our helper, the same one that created all this, the same one that every, every single snowflake that fell, he, he was over that last night which I was praying it wouldn't cancel church and all that, so he was definitely over it. And that's the one we get to go to for our help. You know, it's incredible how God has designed things so that life works here on earth. Isn't it incredible, his design? I mean, the most famous example is that the sun is in the perfect spot, right? Any closer, we're all fried. Any further away, we all freeze, you know? But there's a, like a ton more things. You know, I was just reading last night all the different beautiful things God has done to make it possible for this to be the perfect life and environment for you and for me. Another issue with the sun is, and, and, and the earth's rotation is the fact that the earth stably rotates. Like imagine if it didn't. One side of the earth would be frozen, the other side scorched, right? We don't think about this stuff. But this is the maker of heaven and earth. He's done this. What about the fact that 70% of our earth is made up of water, right? Which is necessary for life. What about the fact, I had never thought about that, this is cool. What about the fact that when the top layer of uh, the sea or of a lake freezes, it then floats and insulates everything below it, allowing life to continue and remain. Think about this. If the ice at the top layer didn't float and sunk, then the next layer would freeze and sink. The next layer would freeze and sink until water were frozen all together, right? I mean, just all those little things we don't even think about. That God, the creator of heaven and earth, has perfectly aligned for you 
and for me. And he is our helper. So this morning, I wake up around 6.30, and Kelly's awake, but the kids are all asleep, and I'm like, oh man, what's going on with, you know, are you all right with the snow? Are you going to be okay? And how's church going to be? And so the easiest glance I had was out my daughter's window. And when I glanced out her window, I almost fell over. I don't know if any of you guys were up earlier today, but here is early this morning. Look at that. That's what I woke up to today. That's the maker of heaven and earth, calling all that to be. And he's the one that we go to in our time of need. He's the one. Because he's on our side. That changes everything. So where are you today? Is this the worst year of your life? Was this up there? Don't focus on the one thing or the few things God didn't do. Focus for a minute on what would have happened if he wasn't on your side. Maybe you're in an okay place, but did you kind of just forget all that God's done? I mean, all the million times God saved us and protected us. You know, I did get in an accident this week, but it could have been a lot worse. Maybe because the Lord was on my side, I just have a sore back. Because the Lord was on my side, the ladder hit me, and here I am. The <laughs> Lord was on my side, Landon's hand's okay. I don't know how that's possible to have bones and flesh squished in a door, but he's, he's okay. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm thankful, right? Who knows? Sometimes the very things we're looking at in anger are really the things that God has done to protect us. Maybe you're here today, you're in a good place. I just hope your heart's encouraged. I think what David is saying here in these verses, as he has imagined all these things that would have happened if the Lord wasn't on his side, I think really what he's trying to say, and what I hope you'll walk out of here with today, is this thought. The Lord is on your side. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like he's against you. Sometimes it feels like, at the very least, he's indifferent. I'm telling you today, the Lord is on your side. Do you need to focus on that? Again, do you need to get front and center how different your life would be if he weren't on your side? I love that David says, let Israel say. David saying, hey, don't let me just say it. Don't let me just remind you how different your life would be if the Lord wasn't on your side. You say it. Preach to yourself. You see, some of you today, you woke up really low. And maybe your heart's encouraged now. But maybe you wake up tomorrow really low again. Great, it's time to preach to yourself. Let Israel say, let living words say, the Lord hadn't been on our side. And then you fill in the blank. You know you, you know your story. You know what God spared you from. What is it? And what would it look like to begin to celebrate that more and more? I think we'll begin to, if we live this way, find ourselves living with gratitude. And we'll find our hearts soft toward God and toward others. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're like, well, I don't really know that I have things to celebrate today. You know, like I don't know if I can look back on my life and see that God has made a difference. Well, maybe that's the starting point right here today. Maybe today is the day you begin your journey with God close to Jesus, with a Savior who loves you. And you begin to see more and more what a difference he makes. Now, some of you might say, but Doug, how do I know the Lord is on my side? Well, let me ask you a question. What would it take to convince you somebody's on your side? If they died for you, would that convince you? Because that's what Jesus has done for you. That's how you can always know he's on your side, because he gave his life for you. If you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. And I think sometimes we have a last objection, you know? It's like, but Doug, at the end of the day, it still seems like some situations go 
without redemption, you know? Like you could look at my mom passing away. I told you guys last week she, she died about five years ago. And you can look at that and say, here's a, a woman who loved God and who loved people and lived her life to God's glory. It's like, what happened? Can I just tell you this? My mom is never more convinced than right now that the Lord is on her side. Standing in his presence, seeing her Savior face to face. She's never been more convinced that the Lord is on her side. So sometimes we don't have the answers to everything that happens here and now, but God's ways aren't our ways. And my encouragement to you today is to focus on the truth that the Lord is on your side. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you are on our side and you are with us. We thank you so much, God, that you have so much to do in our lives, so much you want to accomplish, so much, God, that you want to lead us to, and I pray we won't miss it because we're mad at you or we're hurt or we're disappointed. I pray that we will be able to focus today on all that you have done. We'd be able to focus on, man, if you hadn't been on our side, what things would look like. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you think about that and pray about that for a while? Maybe even whisper it. Lord, if you hadn't been on my side, here's where I would be today. Some of us in this room wouldn't be alive. Some of us in this room wouldn't be functioning. Some of our marriages would have fallen apart. Some of our kids would be far. Some of our, our bodies would be ill. Some of our hearts would be depressed. Some of our, our wills would be in bondage. We, we, we just, man, he's changed so much. So what is it for you? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I just encourage you to pray something like this, just quietly. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for proving to me that you're on my side as you gave your life in my place. Show me how real you are, God. Forgive me for my sin. Show me what it looks like to follow you and know you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray.